Good morning, One Church. And it's so awesome to be here with you guys today. I tell you, we're halfway through our destination series, and I am so excited about what I have to bring to you this morning from God's Word. Um, it's a verse, we're going to be looking at a couple of verses that for some of you, if you've grown up in church, you know these verses. You may have memorized these verses. If you've not been in church a lot, I would encourage you, the verses we're going to be looking at today in Proverbs chapter 3, so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and start flipping there. Uh, we're going to be looking at some verses, I promise you, that are just foundational to what we're going to be talking about in this series. Now, just to give you a quick recap, we've been talking about for the past couple of weeks that our direction determines our destination. It's our direction that determines our destination. That not direction, not our intention determines our destination. That you may have all the intentions in the world to want to go south for the winter. But if you pack all of your bathing suit and sunscreen and you get on a road going north, you're going to be in Minnesota, and you're going to be surprised because there's ice and snow everywhere. Anybody from Minnesota today? Anybody need prayer? Thank you very much. Are you glad you're not in Minnesota today? Thank you very much. All right, cool. So, no. All right, hang on now. All right. Uh, this is where I talk. I'm just joking. I'm just, joking. I'm just playing with you. We're, uh, so we're in this series called Destination. So we, now, here's the thing. That just kind of seems kind of natural. Okay, You may want to go south, but if you go north, you're not going to go south. That's kind of okay. That's kind of a no-brainer. But think about this. There's a huge disconnect when it comes to other areas of life like that in our lives, isn't there? That many times, we, our intention is we want to have good relationships. We want to have a good relationship with our spouse or our kids. That, and, and that's a heart. And some people say, well, as long as your heart's right, then you're, it doesn't really matter what path you're on. And that's bunk. Because you may intend having a great relationship with your children, but if you're working 70, 80 hours a week, I can tell you you're not going to have a good relationship with your kids. Or you may, you know, I, I, I intend to have a good marriage, but if you never ever do work on your relationship with your spouse, you're never going to have a good marriage because intention doesn't determine where you're going to end up. Your direction does. Now, last week, we talked about this, that good information plays a part on where you're going to end up. Because all of us, we've stopped and we've asked the question, hey, listen, I'm lost. Can you tell me how to you know, get to wherever I need to go to? And somebody's giving you bad directions. How many of y'all, you've gotten bad directions before from somebody? Thank you. How many of y'all, when somebody asked you for directions, you intentionally told them a bad direction? I've done that too. <laughs> so, because um, it's kind of fun sometimes, right? Well, <clears throat> here's the thing. When you get bad information, the worst that can happen is you get more lost when it comes to driving. But when you get bad information in life, what happens in your 20s will affect what happens in your 30s. And the road, the financial road you're on when you're in your 20s is going to de determine what financial destination you end up in your 40s. And let's just get real. I mean, we have a lot of young people here at One Church. The, the sexual stuff you do in your teenage years, it's going to determine... And it's going to develop the relationship that you will or will not have, the intimate relationship with your spouse later. Because all of us are on a destiny, all of us are on a, on a path. And a lot of the stuff we're going to be talking about comes from this book entitled Principle of the Path. Uh, a lot of this stuff, I did not make this up. 
I would encourage you to pick that up. Um, we're, uh, we're selling those for donations out in the foyer, but really, really good book. I, I've read it, and I keep on reading it, and it's just it's some good life-changing principles in it. But today, we're going to be looking at good information is good, but good information is only part of you ending up where you want to end up. It's not the whole shebang, because all of us, we've experienced good information and in not doing anything with it. In fact, let me answer this question, ask this question. How many of y'all know somebody who's really smart who really made a dumb decision? Anyone? Cool. Put your hands down. How many of you, that was you? All right, cool. 100%. That was me, right? All right, here's the thing. Because just because you have good information, there is no guarantee that you're going to follow the good information that somebody's given you, right? I mean, if you stop on the side of the road and, hey, I'm lost. Can you tell me how to get back to the interstate? Somebody can tell you the good information and give you good directions, but that doesn't mean you're going to follow it. There's a missing component here, and that missing component is what we're going to be talking about today because good information is great, but it's not enough to assure you that you're going to end up where you want to end up in your life. All of us have had good information. Some of you, you've had good information when it comes to finances, and you and your spouse, you got together, and you're like, okay, we're in debt. I want to go, and we want to go to like a Dave Ramsey class, or we want to go to a financial planner, and they develop a budget for you, right? And you and your spouse, they tell you how much, okay, how much do you receive in income? They jot that down. How much do you spend? Really? And they write that down. And then they say, okay, here's your plan. If you follow this budget, this plan, this is going to be able to get you out of debt. What did you do with that plan? I can tell you what you did with it. Oh, that's good. Okay, that plan is probably somewhere in the bottom of your sock drawer, right? Because just because you've got good information doesn't mean you're going to follow it. Or like this, some of you, it's like this, you went to the doctor, and the doctor said, "Uh, yeah, we did some blood tests on you, and uh, your cholesterol level is like a 460. Uh, We don't even know how you're alive. (laughs) So we're going to give you a plan so that you can be able to change your habits so that you can bring your cholesterol down, right? Okay, and you're jotting notes down. Okay, do that. Okay, good, good. You're jotting notes down. Two weeks later, you're at McDonald's. Can you supersize that? Right? Because just because you have a plan doesn't give you any guarantee that you're going to follow the plan. There's a missing component here, and that's what we're going to be looking at today. Because having good information is no guarantee that you're going to end up where you want to be at your desired destination. Today we're going to be looking at a, uh, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and start turning. And as we, I talked about this a, about a month ago, but I want to bring it back. Proverbs is written by a dude by the name of Solomon. Solomon. And Solomon wrote three books of the Bible. Proverbs is a great book. In fact, if you don't know a lot about God and Jesus and the church stuff, I'd encourage you to read the book of Proverbs. There's 31 chapters, so you can read a chapter a day. And it gives you all kinds of great uh, you know, things about like how to do finances and how to, how to have friends and how to treat your parents and all of this stuff. Some really, really good practical information. So I'd encourage everybody to read Proverbs. Then there's Ecclesiastes. He wrote the book of Ecclesiastes that you should not read until you're over 40. I turned 40 in like a week and a half. So I'm going to... I'm going to crack that book in about a week and a half. You know what I mean? The reason why you don't want to read Ecclesiastes until you're 40 is because that's when the wheels fall off and you realize that things ain't going to be getting that much better. So might as well, you know, read it. So there you go. So uh, I apologize to all you people who are 40 and up. So, uh, And then 
Then there's Song of Solomon. And you don't want to read Song of Solomon unless you're married or unless you think the Bible's boring. Because Barry White, you put on some Barry White music and you crack some Song of Solomon. In fact, let me tell you what, back in the olden days, the Jewish boys, they would like go into the temple at night and they would open up Song of Solomon because they didn't have internet. Um, it is a highly erotic love story that I've preached before. I keep no, no lie. This is not my notes. I've preached the Song of Solomon verse by verse, and I had tons of Christians get mad at me. Well, how dare you bring that up at church? I'm sorry, it's in the Bible. So if you don't like it, don't yell at me. Yell at God. All right. But seriously, Song of Solomon, chicka chicka yeah yeah. That's all I'm saying. All right. Now, the Book of Proverbs. We're gonna read what. Solomon says, now just before we crack there, I just want to get a quick side note. Give you some background of Solomon. Solomon, his dad was David. And David passed away when Solomon was 17, 18 years old. Probably he was maybe around 20 years old. And Solomon, um, he, he's now not the leader of a family. He's that. But he's the leader of an entire nation. I mean, he's 17, 18 years old. Maybe 20. He can't be any older than 20. And and he's just like overwhelmed. Well, God comes to Solomon in a dream. And God asks Solomon a question. He says, bro, because I love David, your father. He didn't say bro. He says, because I love David, your father, ask whatever you wish, and I'll give it to you. Whatever you want, I'm going to give. Now, let me ask you that question. Don't yell it out loud, because some of y'all, I don't want to hear it. Some of y'all crazy. If, if God came to your dream and says, ask one thing, just one thing. What would you say? Some of y'all some freaks. I know. All right, because I know what I, you know, you'd be asking about the lottery and stuff. By the way, I don't mean to point. Jason, it's really good seeing you. I didn't see you. Sorry, bro. So glad you're back. So, sorry. Um, See what happens when the pastor knows you? All right, cool. Going back. ADD moment. All right. So God comes to Solomon Dream and says, ask whatever you want. And I'll give it to you. So let's, Solomon starts thinking about it. And he says, okay, here's what I want. I need wisdom. Because I'm young and I'm a, I'm a youth, I lack judgment. We've been talking about that for the past couple of weeks. I, I need discernment. I want wisdom. I want understanding. I want to be able to sit down with people who are older than me and engage in conversation with them. I need to interact with them. I need, I need good decision making. I need, yes, good information, but I also need wisdom. Once I get the information, I need to act on it. Now, that's what Solomon asked for. The one thing he could have had, and he asked for wisdom. Now listen to God's response. This is in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 11. So God replied, Because you've asked for wisdom in governing my people and have not asked for a long life, or riches for yourself, or death for your enemies. By the way, when somebody rose to power, you know, they would have enemies, so people would you know, create a list, a mess list, and they would have them whacked. Right? I will give you what you ask for. I will give you a wise and understanding mind such as no one else. Everybody say no one else. No one else has ever had or ever will have. That's cool, pretty cool because God promises Solomon, you ask for wisdom, I'm going to give you wisdom. In fact, you're going to be the wisest person who has ever lived. Stephen Hawking? No, he ain't wise. King Solomon. 
the wisest person who ever lived. So Solomon started writing books, and we have three of them. In fact, people would come from all over the world to just sit at Solomon's feet and listen to his wisdom. I mean, it's pretty, pretty amazing how God answered his prayer. Now, here's the thing, and this is what's so amazing. The reason why this is so relevant to what we're going to be talking about today is we're going to be talking about which path should I take. Should I go down this path or this path? And you would think, because Solomon being the wisest person who's ever lived, you would think, if you asked Solomon, hey, which path to take, Solomon, you would think, would say something like, bro, listen, I'm the wisest dude, and i got a lot of book knowledge, you need to go this way. Or because of my experience and my understanding, my discernment, you need to take path A. That Solomon, because he was the wisest person in the world, if anybody had the fact to just say, you know what, God, I got this. I don't need your help on figuring out which way to go, path A, path B. I'm going to go path A because you've given me this gift of wisdom. If anybody could just bypass that and say, God, you just sit down, I got this, it would be Solomon. But what we're going to be looking at in these verses in Proverbs chapter 3 is that he did not bypass this. That even though he was the smartest person in the room, he was the wisest person who's ever lived. He didn't rely on his own wisdom, his own judgment, his own experience, his own discernment. He relied on something else, just beyond information. Let's look at it. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, and it says this. Solomon's writing, and he says, what's the first word? Okay, all, all skate morning. All right, everybody says, trust. All right, trust in your own self, trust in your own experiences, trust in how you would do things if you were in charge, because gum, one day you're going to be in charge, right? And your boss doesn't do it the way you want to do it. So trust in who? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. That is, trust in the Lord in every arena of your life. Trust in the Lord with every possible path you could choose. Trust in, lean hard into, not information, not experience, not in your own judgment, not in your own wisdom, but trust in God himself. Because the answer to life isn't just getting good information and insight. It is leaning hard into God himself. That's huge. Now again, if anybody could have bypassed this, it could have been Solomon. Because Solomon was a wise dude. I mean... If anybody else could just say, you know what, you could, I, I got this, it would have been Solomon. But Solomon says, no, 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 I'm not going to rely on my stuff, I'm going to rely on God. Let's keep on reading. Trust in the Lord with what? All your heart, and here's the flip side. Lean not on your own understanding. The Hebrew phrase used here literally means to prop something up. Lean hard into. Right now, I'm leaning hard into this stool. And what he's saying is, I don't want you to lean hard into yourself, your own judgment call, and your own wisdom. Lean hard into God himself. And God, we're going to see a promise here. This is, this is amazing because, guys, we have a problem with this. If some, somebody comes up to you guys and says, hey, you know, I got this problem as a guy, and I'm a, I'm a member of the male species, somebody comes to me with a problem, you know what I want to do? I want to fix it. <coughs> In fact, ladies, all skate morning here, I want to hear you. 
When you go to your spouse and you say, baby, I got this problem, and you tell them the problem, do you want your man to fix it? I'm sorry, I didn't hear that one quite that clear. I'm hearing, no! That's what I heard. Right? Ladies, let's talk. Uh, do you want your man to fix it? Okay, notice there was a male who said that. If you'll just raise your hand so that all the women can turn and feather you, that'd be great. All right, here's the thing. What do you want him to do? You don't want him to fix it. What do you want him to do? Listen, guys, did you hear that? Did I hear that? You see, she doesn't need you to fix it. She needs you to listen. Now, as guys, we want to fix it. Well, this is how I'd do. You know, if I was in your situation and my boss talked to me like he talked to you, baby, this is how I'd, 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 I'd give him a piece of my mind. Uh, probably a piece that you couldn't afford to lose, by the way. <clears throat> or, you know, if she did that to me, you know, this is what I would say, this is what I would do. We have a tendency to rely on our own judgment, on our own wisdom, on our own discernment, and guys, we're the worst. Because we think, hey, we've read the book. we watched the TV show. We've seen it. You know, we've seen how all this, well, you know, we got experience, and we think, we got this. You don't need to talk. You talk to me. Guys, we are awful when it comes to this, and I think God is saying, listen, when it comes to choosing your ideas and your experience and your judgment or God's, you need to choose God. Now, that's easy to say that on a Sunday morning. That's hard to do on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and all throughout the week. Don't make the mistake of thinking, Solomon says, that you're old enough, that you're wise enough, that, you have a, that you're cool enough, that you have that much judgment, that much discernment. Because the wisest person in the world says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Do not prop yourself up with your own thoughts and your own stuff. It's like this. I'll never forget this. I don't, I'm, a, I'm a guy, but I'm not the typical guy when it comes to directions. If I if I don't if I feel like I'm getting lost, I will pull over and I will ask because that's just how I am. Here, I'll never forget though. I was talking to my wife about this the other day. I says, "Baby, was there ever a time where you know I really got us really really lost?" And she says, "Oh yeah." <laughs> I said, "Do tell." I, I was I was in uh, we were at Dallas Seminary at the time. I was getting my master's degree, uh, so I could be a preacher. And I I, I I was trying to find a ministry job. And I'd not had any paid ministry experience, so I would I would apply for jobs, and people wouldn't hire me because says you don't have any paid ministry experience. And I would go, excuse me, if you don't hire me, I'm never going to get paid ministry experience. Y'all know what I'm talking about. <clears throat> well, I'll never forget there was this church in Mesquite, and uh, they invited me and my wife there, and they wanted me to, to to speak at their church. So I'm like, okay. So we left in plenty of time so that we could be at that church. They gave me directions. This is before, by the way, GPS, TomToms, all of that jazz. Um, and I remember I got lost. I mean really lost. I mean, I got so lost where I'll never forget where I thought the church was. It was in the middle of a cornfield. And there ain't cornfields in Dallas. Throw that out there. I mean, I, mean, I was supposed to be there at 10. It's 11.15. I ain't there yet. Oh, yeah. I was the speaker. So after a while, we started. We said, all right, I guess I ain't going to get this job. <laughs> so we said, let's go to IHOP because that's what you do. 
Now, here's the thing. I got to the point where I got those directions, and, and I remember, should I stop and ask directions? And I was going, no, I got this. I got this. Anybody ever, you got a TomTom GPS iPhone, something that tells you where to go, and you shut it off? Anybody? That's what I'm talking about. Because we think we know better. We think we know better than the devices and the information. People give us good information, but we don't follow it. And that is our big idea today. It's something more than information, and this is our big idea. Look at this. That direction begins with submission. Direction begins with submission. Let's all say that together. Direction begins with submission. All right, just the ladies. Direction begins. Now the guys. Direction. All right, now all the people that just are left-handed. I'm just joking. <clears throat> Here's the thing. You want to know what direction you want to go? It doesn't start with information. Because you can have all the good information in the world and not follow the information. It starts with saying, whatever the information, whatever you tell me to do, God, I'll do it. Direction begins with submission. That means, God, whatever, whatever direction you want me to go with my finances, I'll do it. And I don't know exactly what you want me to do, and I don't know what you want me to give and how you want me to spend my money, but I'm going to follow your ways. That means, <clears throat> okay, God, you have a plan for my marriage, and I don't understand it all, but I'm going to treat her not the way she's treating me. But I'm going to treat her the way I would treat Jesus. Or, ladies, you know what? God has a plan for your relationship with your spouse. And I'm going to submit to him, even though he's not worthy to be being submitted to. Because I believe God's going to do something in his life. It means when it comes to your education, God, I'm going to choose your ways and not my ways. God, when it, okay, when it comes to your career, God, I, 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 you know, I could get ahead and do some probably some not really good things to try to get ahead, but I'm not going to do it that way. I'm not going to do it my way. I'm going to do it your way. And whatever your way is, I promise you I will follow it because submit, submission will determine your direction. Direction begins with submission, whether that be finances, whether that be morality, whether that be your relationships, whether that be your entertainment choices. Direction begins with submission. I mean, it's like this. I'm going to keep on reading verse 6. It says, in all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your pass. What? Solomon repeats himself here. He says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. Look at this. In all of your ways, acknowledge him. What does the word all mean? All. Thank you very much, college students. All. All means all. In all your ways. Now, let me tell you, that's just not your Sunday ways. You see, this, this is how we are as people. We have these little compartments on the calendar called Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And we like, God, I, I, you know, I, I honor you on Sunday. I throw in a five in the offering bucket, right? I, I mean, I honor you on Sunday. But God just didn't say in all your Sunday ways. He says, I want you to honor me on Monday. I want you to honor me on Friday night when you're doing whatever you're doing with your friends. 
I want you to honor me on Saturday morning when you're coaching and somebody does something, the other coach does something bad, and you want to flare up and just make a total awful mess. And that means, no, I'm going to do it God's way. It means honoring him in your marriage ways, in your dating ways, in your entertainment ways, in your edu- in direct, in honor him in all. Everybody say all. All your ways. <clears throat> it reminds me of, y'all remember this, uh, those who maybe don't have automatic ice makers. Y'all remember having the ice trays, right? You know what I'm talking about? And, I, I, and you have those ice trays and they have these all little compartments in it. And you can pour water in one of the compartments, and what happens, it overflows. And, and, and it's this wonderful thing that has all of these, it's a grid. That's how many of us live our life. God, I give you one area of my grid. It's called Sunday. And I will honor you on Sunday. I'll even go to church three times out of the month, maybe two. Let's don't get crazy, though. Right? I mean, I, God, I'll, I'll honor you on Sunday, but Tuesday's mine. Wednesday's mine. Friday night, don't even take Friday night away from me, God. That's mine. But God's going, no, 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 I just don't want your Sunday. You see, the reason why you're in the mess that you're in right now isn't because you honor me on Sunday. It's because you've honored me, yes, on Sunday, but Monday through Saturday, you've left me out of the equation. And you can look at your grid of a calendar of your year, of your life, and you can go, yeah, this is how I've screwed up because one-seventh of my time, I spend and I focus on God. Another six sevenths, I kind of do my own thing. God says, in all of your ways, and then he, he gives a, pom- a promise here. He says, and he will make your paths straight. He will make your paths straight. At the end of the process, as the result, if you do this, he will make your paths straight. That little word, make your path straight, that little phrase literally means to clear your path. Reminds me of my children when they were growing up. I got three boys, and I got a, a, all of my children, when they started growing up and they started walking, you know, th- they were just kind of teetering and they were always, you know, falling. And by the way, just a quick note, do you know the reason why God made babies short? Was so that when they fall, it doesn't hurt as much because they're a lot closer to the ground, right? See, as adults, when you fall, you fall and you can't get up, right? It hurts when you fall. But babies, they're made that way for a reason. So I remember Walt and Jed and Bing, they would walk, and they were kind of, you know, they were just teetering. And I remember, you know, me and Kim were like, oh, my gosh. And and we would move the toys out of the way. We would make their path straight. We would clear their path so that they wouldn't trip. Now, would they trip anyway? Yeah, they'd lose their balance. But we were in front of them making their path clear. God is saying that to you, that if you trust in God and do not lean on your own experiences, acknowledge him in all of your ways, he's going to be ahead of you going, okay, I'm moving that out of the way. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm moving that out of the way. Yeah, um, and, and he's going to make your path straight. Why? Because he knows the future. You don't. We don't. See, us, we think, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to rely on my own experience. And our own experience, because we don't know the future, will end us up in the ditch. It's like this. And some of you, you've had people come to you and say, you know, I got this issue right now. I got this problem. Will you tell me what choice should I take? And you thought kind of the way I thought. You're going, dude, you know, I could have told you what choice you should have made five years ago. But right now, you've got, all, you've got three options, and all of them are bad. 
I could have told you what option and what road you should have made eight miles before you got to this place. But now, all of the roads that you have before you stink. You know, and, and you're thinking, yeah, well, anybody could do that because hindsight's 2020, and that's the point. The only person who knows the future is who? God. And because God knows the future, when we choose to rely on our own experiences and our own judgment and our own discernment, we're always, it's not going to end up well for us. I'm reading a couple of books right now. One is called How the Mighty Fall by Jim Collins. And the other one is a very similar one to it, talking about the economic crisis that happened back in 2008. Um, how all of the banks, and, uh, and uh, they, were just, they just started folding. Goldman Sachs and all these just started folding. And you had a lot of smart people in the room. I mean, these people were geniuses. But they were stupid geniuses because... They were relying on their own experience and their own wisdom and their own discernment, and they didn't know that the bottom was getting ready to fall out. Well, let me tell you, let me tell you who does know that the bottom is going to fall out. That is God. So when we have a tendency to say, you know what, God, I got this. I don't need to ask for your permission. I don't need to ask for what you want and what's your will. I'm not going to pray to you. I got this. If anybody could have done that, it would have been Solomon. But even Solomon says, don't do that. Because you don't know the future. Acknowledge me in all of your ways. Now, he, this is the last verse we're going to be reading. Proverbs 3, 7, it says, Do not be wise in your own eyes. I mean, I know you've been doing this for 20 years. I know you're the expert at this. I know you've written books about this. But Solomon certainly did. I know you might. I mean, some of you are like, oh, I don't need to learn about parenting and what God has said about that. I, you know, I, I got parents. It's, it's like saying, okay, I've had, somebody has performed surgery on me, so now I can be a surgeon. No, it doesn't quite work like that. You see, it takes more than just your experience. It takes trusting in God himself and not trusting on your own wisdom and own discernment. Now, here's the thing. Solomon, the wisest person on earth, didn't follow his own advice. Solomon didn't follow his own advice. And the one, he had one huge weakness of his life that went unchecked. And he didn't have people coming around him and saying, tapping him on the shoulder going, dude, what are you doing? Let me tell you what it was. <clears throat> In Solomon's day, Israel was the strongest it's ever been. But even in that, Israel was just a really small country. I mean, some of you who have been to Israel, you know it's a very small country. At the widest part, it's only 85 miles wide. And because it was so small and it was still kind of a fledgling nation, Solomon had got this idea, you know what, the best way to protect Israel from all of these other big nations surrounding us is I'm going to marry their daughters. So he went to Egypt, and Egypt was a strong ally. He says, well, hey, let me marry your daughter. And he married Pharaoh's daughter, and he made an alliance with Egypt, and everything's good. Now Egypt's not going to conquer or invade Israel. And he did that with all of these other nations. He did it so much that he married 700 wives. Somebody say, dear Jesus. 700 wives, and he had 300 concubines. That's a total of 1,000. And the thing of it is, here's the problem. God told Solomon, do not marry 
foreign women. Do not marry a woman who does not have your same values, who does not believe in God of the Bible. Do not marry. If you do, those women are going to turn your heart. And that is exactly what happened. Solomon, in his own wisdom, the best way I can protect this nation is if I make these treaties with these folks and I marry their daughters. But that very act is what tore the kingdom away from Solomon because God came to Solomon and said, listen, because you've disobeyed me, because you've married all of these women from all of these different foreign countries and I've told you not to, your heart is divided. And you love me, but you love other gods as well. So because your heart is divided, I'm going to divide the nation after you die. And immediately when Solomon died, the nation of Israel split in two. And it, one was the northern kingdom and one was the southern kingdom. It was north versus south. And that, from that entire time all the way up until 1948, that country was divided or non-existent. Why? Because God knows something that you don't. He knows that some of our best decisions that we think are the good decisions are really bad decisions. So he's saying to you and to me, lean not on your own understanding. Two things I want to close with. First one is this. Pride eventually overrides wisdom. That's exactly what happened in Solomon's case. In fact, he even wrote in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18, pride comes before destruction and haughtiness before a fall. So pride overrides wisdom. The second is arrogance eventually overrides common sense. Arrogance eventually overrides common sense. Two questions, and we're done. First question is this. Has there ever been a time in your life when you've acknowledged that God in all of your ways? Has there ever been a time in your life when you've acknowledged God in all of your ways? Now, for some of you, that may, be, that may start today, this morning, by acknowledging God with your eternity. Because some of you, you've been coming to church maybe for a while now, and you're like, I think me and God are okay. But if you don't have a relationship with God, if you've not asked Him to forgive you of your sins, I can tell you you're not okay. And at the end of today, I'm going to give you an opportunity where you can acknowledge God with your eternity. The Bible clearly states that sin separates us from God. And because we're sinners and we make bad choices, that that breaks our relationship with God. And that's the reason why Jesus came into the world, so that if we would believe in him, we could have eternal life. Now, some of you, that's what you need to do today. But for probably a lot of you in here, you're like, dude, I've done that. I did that when I was 8, 12, 14, whatever it is. But here's my question, and this goes to my second question. Have you ever surrendered to God stuff that's been in your that's under your control. Let me read that. Have you ever surrendered to God the things that you think you control? So here's what some of you done. Okay, God, I surrendered to you my eternity. But do you really have any control over your eternity? Honestly, seriously. None. Zilcho. I mean, God's like going, okay, what options do you got, dude? You got, you know, life with me or a life apart from me? Life with me is heaven. Life apart from me is hell. What's your options? Yeah, I choose heaven. Right? See, that's easy. But this is where it gets really practical for the rest of us. Do you choose God in your parenting ways? Do you say, okay, God, I insist on doing it my way, or no, I'm going to trust in doing it your way, even though your way doesn't seem to make sense. 
Or, God, I choose to do finances your way. Now, you think you got control over your finances. You think you got control, but you really don't because you don't know what tomorrow holds. He knows the future. You don't trust in him. Are you going to trust in God with your marriage ways? Are you going to say, you know what, I'm going to do it my way? Because this is how the guys on the corner, they do it. By the way, all of them are divorced. Or they've never gotten married because they're still living with mom. Do it God's way. Submission always precedes direction. Always. So are you willing to do that this morning? Are you willing to submit and say, God, okay, yeah, I need you for my eternity. Or you need to say, God, I need to do, start doing things your way when it comes to my marriage. Let's pray. If everybody would close your eyes and nobody looking around, I'm going to ask a couple of questions as we close. And the first one is this. For some of you, this, this relationship that you have with God, if you could call it that, is a relationship where you go to a church just very infrequently, and that's kind of it. And I can tell you, just going to a place of worship doesn't make you a Christ follower. You don't go into so many different places, and that doesn't make you anything. It's a conscious choice and an effort to put your faith and trust and to lean hard into Him. So for some of you, you just need to give your heart to Jesus Christ this morning. You need to believe in Him and trust Him. For your eternity. I'm going to ask you to do something bold. I normally don't ask this, but if that's you, if you need to ask Jesus Christ to be your Savior, would you just slip up your hand? All right, thank you, ma'am. I see you. Anyone else? I see you in the back. Very good. I see you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you. I see you, sir. Anyone else? Okay. You can put your hands down. For those that had the courage to raise your hands, and maybe for those who didn't, I'm just going to pray a prayer right now. And there's nothing magical about the words that I'm praying. But where this happens is when you lean into God. And I pray that you would do that with these words. Dear God, Lord, I know that I can't do it on my own. Lord, I've been trying to earn your goodness. I can't really be good enough. Lord, I, but you've given this to me as a gift, that you want me to have a relationship with you. So, Lord, right now, I trust in your son, Jesus. I pray that you would take all of my sins away and that you would give me a relationship with you because of what Jesus has done. Thank you for hearing this prayer. Now, again, nobody looking around. If that's you, I would encourage you, before you leave today, find me, find one of our staff members, one of the people in the band, or go by guest services and just check off that little box. Today, I began a relationship with Jesus so we can be praying for you. Now, for the rest of us, where it gets practical is, are you going to trust God outside of your eternity? Are you going to trust God with your business venture this week? Are you going to trust God with your relationship with your spouse? Are you going to honor him even though he's not worthy of honor? Are you going to love her even though she's not worthy of love? Will you do it? God, I pray for all of us who need a relationship with you, and who needs for us to just live out our life and live out the life that you give us. I pray that we would trust and lean into you, God, for when we do that, you will make our path straight. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.